think the last one I did was Christmas. Went to London for Christmas, which was nice. Saw some friends, stayed with them. Very much a uh, Christmas experience in London. I lived in LA for like 18 years, and LA is terrible for Christmas. There's no snow. There's no snow in London either then, but no snow in LA. It's not cold out. It's always totally bright sun. It doesn't make any sense. From New York, grew up celebrating Christmas in New York, and going to LA is bad. In Portugal, it's festive because everybody is... I guess they're all Catholics here. They take Christmas seriously and they're all in the family. So it's kind of nice here, but uh, it's a little too warm weathered. And London's pretty good. London is uh, gives you that feeling. And it was nice. I had heard that London had kind of gone south, that it had uh, deteriorated and there were a lot of stabbings. And it's kind of wary of what I might see there. But from what I could tell, it was pretty vibrant. You know, people are out drinking, eating, streets are crowded. You know, to the extent that there's an energy crisis or economic depression or recession happening, it wasn't obvious to me, at least not what I was looking at when I was there. It was cool. Went around the city, went, got dim sum on Christmas Eve in the morning, had a big feast, drank a lot, stayed out late a couple nights. It was fun. It was a good, it was a good time walking through the nice parks, Richmond Park, really nice. It looks like you're totally in the countryside and you're still kind of in London. Holland Park is near where we stayed and Holland Park's really nice. So it's a good Christmas. Came back for a couple days, then uh, went to Comporta for two nights, which is just like a, it's like the Hamptons. It's like the Hamptons in like 1985. When I first saw it six years ago, I thought it was like the Hamptons in 1978. When I was first there, it was pristine, untouched. But now it's a little more built up and I think in the summer, it's pretty bad. All the Euro crowd comes, all the rich Euros come and fill up Comporta. But being there in late December, it's actually the weather was nice. I mean, it was a little chilly, you know, I mean, chilly meaning like 60 degrees, 55 degrees at night. And we walked through this really nice swampy rice paddy area with these little ponds on both sides. And you just walk right from the town, 20 minutes to the ocean on a really nice path. And then inside the town, it's like good restaurants and it's great. We had a great meal. It was cheap. We had a giant seafood rice, Porco Secretu, which is really good pork from the Alentejo. And that plus a bottle of wine, plus a bunch of salads, plus something else was like a hundred bucks for three of us. It was a good deal. Food was great and gave us kind of that relaxing couple of days that break we needed then we had a couple people over some friends just for new year's eve not a just literally one other family sasha's friend and our friends hung out to like 2 a.m heather passed out i cleaned up that's I, I don't know why I, you know heather does most of the house stuff i guess i mean i i cook and clean also but she does like most of the other stuff but whenever we have a party or people over i'm always the one i stay up till like two in the morning you know what I think it is? I think that when you're doing a lot of drinking, you're expecting a hangover. But the more you stay up, the more you can outrun the hangover. Because if you stay up later and the alcohol wears off before you go to sleep, you don't you sleep better, you don't have the hangover. If you go to bed drunk, that's when you get a bad hangover. So I think I just I'm like trying to outrun the hangover and then I just start doing dishes. And of course, when you have people over and it's a party, there's a lot of dishes, so it takes a while. 
So I was clean the house, do the dishes, pass out. I wake up tired, but no hangover. Anyway, that's what we did Christmas through New Year's. It was, it was nice. It was, you know, it was pretty low key. There wasn't anything crazy going on. But the other thing that was going on is that I had my $250,000 grand prize NFFC entry. And through the first week, I was in second place. Through the second week, I was in fourth place. I had a real chance to win serious money. Third week, totally laid an egg. I talked about this more in the real man's sports, so I won't belabor it here. And just disappointing, you know. I made a bad choice starting Trevor Lawrence over Daniel Jones, and Alan Sislowski warned me, but you know, it is what it is. I think even with Jones, I don't even think I cash. Although I might have because obviously, as you know, what happened in the Monday night game. And this is kind of where real man sports, real man wood are overlapping. In fact, I can almost, I recorded a real man sports that I have to edit. And I can almost just use that for this podcast because it's going to be a lot of similar stuff uh, when sports meets real life. And, you know, as everyone knows, DeMar Hamlin, player on the Bills, took a hit to the chest got up for a second and then collapsed and suffered a cardiac arrest, heart attack, and was rushed off to the hospital and they stopped the game. Now, uh, the other podcast that go into the implications of that for fantasy, I'll just say that it's pretty crazy if you had Josh Allen or Stephon Diggs or Jamar Chase for the 250K that that's just wiped away. But you understand why. There's something bigger going on. And I think there's something even bigger going on and that's sort of what nobody wants to talk about. Obviously, 24-year-old suffering a heart attack is tragic and horrible on its own, but it's even worse if it's because he was mandated to take something he didn't need by the league. And, and then all of his other fellow teammates and other players who took it, which is probably most of them. I don't know how many of them faked it. Got fake vaccine cards are also at risk. Some risk. We don't know how much because we don't know the long-term safety record of this because there is no long-term safety record there is no long term this was mandated we didn't have it tested over the long haul which is how most of these new medicines get tested i you know this is an mrna treatment i think they've tortured the definition of vaccine to put in that category but i don't regard this as a vaccine and i don't really care what category a medicine is in right i mean i think a medicine is good and i'm for its use if the medicine long term has more benefits than harms long-term and that it's given via informed consent. If it meets those conditions, more long-term benefits than long-term harms and it's given by informed consent of the patient or the patient's guardian, then I'm for it. If it doesn't meet those conditions, I'm against it. So I don't really care if they call it a vaccine, the whole stupidity of, oh, you're anti-vax because you don't like this thing that they named a vaccine that doesn't do anything that vaccines purported to do like stop the spread or reduce all cause mortality or any of these things. No, that doesn't mean you're anti-vaccine. And I think the whole concept is stupid. Why would I be for any medicine, whether it's called a vaccine or not, that does more harm than good? Are you for something that's called a vaccine that does more harm than good? If you are, you're a fucking idiot because why would you be for a medicine that does more harm than good, no matter what they call it? So the whole idea, oh, you're anti-vax, you're pro-vax. These are just medicines. These are just treatments that in a free and just society, people would be free to take or leave depending on whether they personally want it. And if they did want it and it caused more benefit than harm, then that's a good medicine. 
and I would be for it. But I, I just think the idea that you're anti a category or for a category when, you know, we just saw how tortured the category was to fit this new MRNA shot into it is it's ridiculous. It's stupid. So, you know, these are talking points. You're an anti-vaxxer. I'm pro-vax. I'm pro-science. This is all bullshit. It has nothing to do with reality. Reality is, what does this medicine do? Not what category did they shoehorn it into? And whether it has more benefit net than harm or whether it's taken voluntarily. Now, these things are obvious if you think about them, but critical thought has been suspended for a lot of people. And it's so crazy that when Damar Hamlin had the heart attack, people are speculating as what it could be. And everybody's happy to speculate that it's uh, commotio cordis which is something that happens about 12 times a year. Somebody dies because they get a blunt force trauma to the sternum chest area and it gets the heart at just the wrong time and you have a heart attack from it. And there's like 12 of those a year. And it could be that. It really could be that in this case, in DeMar Hamlin's case. And nobody had a problem with people speculating on that. But if you speculated that, hey, you know, there's a lot of people dropping dead after this mRNA shot was introduced, maybe it's that. Maybe that should be the default presumption. And it could be overcome if it shows that it's not that. I don't think any of us know for sure what it is. But to me, the default presumption is the thing that's suddenly killing, seemingly killing so many young people suddenly. You know, it's not like they're a person with a history of illness is in and out of the hospital for months and then eventually has heart failure. This is somebody who nobody knew there was anything wrong with them. He was 25, 30 years old. I remember Demarius Thomas last year. All of a sudden, he's found dead. And there's no real report on the cause of death or why they died. They just died suddenly. And so to me, that's the presumption. Now, again, if there was a shot to his chest, T Higgins during the tackle kind of got him with the shoulder right in the chest. It could possibly be that even though that's extremely rare. And the other thing seems far more common. It could be that because it does fit, you know, at least ostensibly the general description of that, you know, that type of, of cause. So fine. You should, I have no problem with people saying it could be commotio cordis or whatever it's called. But why do you have a problem with people saying it could also be the mRNA shot and we need to look into this? People are like, you're a garbage person for speculating on that. Why? Why is one cause perfectly okay to speculate on and the other one not? To me, there are two plausible causes. I'll tell you what, they're a lot more plausible than when Grant Wool died suddenly in the press booth in, in Cotter and people said, oh, he was assassinated by the Qatari government because he was wearing a rainbow T-shirt. And they didn't like the rainbow T-shirt. And he wrote some stuff saying, you know, the Qataris are violating human rights, which basically every single Western newspaper had some story about all the deaths that went into building all those stadiums for the, the World Cup. And it was just boilerplate stuff that everybody knew. So they spent all this money to put on this big show for the whole world to kill a a U.S. journalist for what? For wearing a rainbow t-shirt and writing some criticism? No way. That was insane. But people are, hey, that's fine to speculate on. But you're a garbage person. It's terrible. Don't even go there with the MRNA. Don't even go there. Why? Why? What is the problem? What are you so scared of? Why shouldn't people go there? Oh, don't go there. Why? Are you, are your family members, the CEO of, of Pfizer, you don't want them to get indicted? I mean, what is your interest in protecting large pharmaceutical conglomerates? I, I don't understand. I understand why the NFL doesn't want you to go there. The NFL mandated the shot. So if it was the shot that caused him to have this heart attack, even though the pharmaceutical companies somehow got themselves 
out of getting having liability, they they're immune to lawsuit. They wouldn't if there were fraud shown. But you know, if there weren't fraud, which is a higher bar, then they have immunity from liability. But the NFL, I think, could be sued if they forced their players to take the shot in order to play, and then players started having heart attacks or dropping dead because of the shot. So the NFL doesn't want you to know. And the media that took so many millions of dollars in advertising from Pfizer and put Mina Kimes on the air to scold Aaron Rodgers for not taking their product, they don't want it to be the mRNA shot. I understand why they don't want it. I understand why all the doctors who pushed it uh, don't want it to be. And I understand why the politicians who pushed it and coerced people to take it don't want this to be the cause. I understand it from their perspective. But what about you, random football fan Twitter user? Why are you enforcing this dogma? Why are you trying to silence discussion on this? What, what is in it for you? Well, I think what's in it for you is all your peers think so. And you want to show that you're a, a good citizen, someone who cares, a good person. And the marketing for this, as uh, my friend Ted Bell pointed out, wasn't just take the shot at works because now we know it doesn't work. But it was take the shot and you're a good person. Don't take the shot and you're a bad person. So these people, it's gotten in their brains that, well, I'm a good person. And if you're speculating on the shot being the cause of this heart attack, then you're a garbage person. But it makes no sense. Not only is one cause that seems more plausible to me, no better or worse to speculate on than another cause, and certainly way less crazy than speculating on assassination by the, the Qatari government, which people were doing and acting like, oh, no, he, he wrote some stuff. This, this makes sense. This is foul play, even though he died just suddenly in the press booth, you know, sitting there. Nobody shot him or anything like that. There's no evidence at all for that claim. But people are happy to speculate on that. And I think it's fine. You can speculate on whatever you want. But it was ridiculous. It was absurd. It was obviously not the case. But fine, speculate on what you want. But why is this one speculation silenced, embargoed? You're not allowed. Well, because as I said, a lot of powerful people would have big time problems if it were found that these deaths, and it's not, you know, obviously just uh, DeMar Hamlin, and hopefully he doesn't die. Hopefully he's okay and he makes a complete recovery. And hopefully it is commotio cordis or whatever it's called, because in that case, I think it's more likely you make a complete recovery than if it's, you know, myocarditis or some sort of heart attack brought on by the, the mRNA shot. So I hope, I hope it is that. I mean, I hope the people speculating that it was the mRNA shot are incorrect in this case. You don't, I mean, the all-cause mortality is, is, is there to see. And it started in April 2021 when the shot was introduced. So I think there's very strong evidence and it's growing every day that this is the cause generally. But in a specific case with a specific player, it really could be something else. Qatari assassination? No, that's, that's preposterous. But this commotion cordis or whatever you call it, that is possible. Is it likely? I would probably say that the mRNA shot is more likely. But again, it's still possible. And I hope it is the cause because, because it would give him a better chance to recover. And obviously, if you're not a sociopath... You want this guy to recover. You know, he's, he's blameless in it. It's not, you know, he didn't do anything wrong. So, all right, there's just that. I, I talked about that a bit in the other podcast. And I was, it's funny, I was, when I was writing it, I was like, you know, this is the sports substack, And a lot of people who subscribe to that aren't on board with all the things I talk about in this podcast. I thought I may lose a bunch of uh, paying subscribers, something I have that many, but you know, it is a, a small source of income. And, and I thought, well, I mean, of course, I don't want that, but that you got to tell the truth. Nobody wants to tell the truth. The truth isn't, I know the vax caused us. The truth is, it's very plausible the vax caused us, and we should be talking about this. That's just the truth. That's the elephant in the room that people are dropping dead.
And the fact that nobody wants to talk about this, it's shameful. And if anyone's in a position to do it, it's me because I don't have an employer right now. I don't have someone who can cancel me that easily. So I have to talk about it, but I think that other people should talk about it. But it's just interesting because I was like, uh, fuck it. You know, <laughs> this is the truth as I see it. This is the issue as I see it. This is what I think is important. And I'm going to say this. I thought, okay, I'm going to get a bunch of complaints and cancellations. None, zero. Maybe they'll happen next week. I don't know. Zero. Nobody canceled, you know, because what I'm saying is true. And what I'm saying is also obvious. People are like, how can you talk about the cause or how can you make this about the mRNA shot and politics? It's not politics. You know, if, if people were getting run over by drunk drivers every second, would it be political to say, hey, we need to do something about this. This is a, a cause of young people getting killed and it's preventable. Like we need to have stiffer penalties or crack down on something. That would be to me a human normal response. And the fact that people are so incurious about this, that there's people dropping dead. This affects you. Lots of people, my family, friends have taken this medicine. And if this is the cause of it, I want to know. I want to you know, know, let's identify this. Let's figure out how to mitigate it. Let's figure out if there's ways to mitigate you know, having this in your system. I mean, this needs to be studied. We need to first acknowledge that it's happening. And then we can say, okay, if this is happening, then how do we mitigate this? And how do we hold accountable the people that are responsible for this. I mean, I think all of this is important. It has nothing to do with politics. Now, some people identify with large pharmaceutical conglomerates as a matter of politics. It's very strange that they're doing this, but I think most normal people would just be curious as like, what the fuck is going on? And let's get to the bottom of this. And then, and I find it very pernicious for people to get up and be like, oh, you, you can't talk about this. This is wrong to talk about. You have no basis for saying that. Why would I listen to you? Who are you to regulate the discourse? Why are you trying to shut down inquiry into large pharmaceutical conglomerates that have made billions of dollars in profit, negotiated immunity for themselves from lawsuit? I mean, this is fucked up. Their, pro their products were mandated. The products were not sufficiently tested. Even their own trials showed tons of deaths. There should have been, it probably should have been pulled from the market or not even allowed to get on the market just based on their own trial data. So, you know, the fact that people are like, oh, you can't talk about this when an athlete suffers a tragic injury from it uh, is preposterous. I don't even know the, I, I can't even imagine the state of brainwashing someone would have to be in to take the position that somebody questioning the efficacy and safety of these things um, was out of bounds for doing so. I can't even imagine how brainwashed you would have to be to think that. So it's just a very strange state of affairs where talking about this is a problem. And I also think, you know, and this is just sort of an aside, I talked about this a little bit in the, in the other pod that, you know, if you're a fantasy sports guy or you're a football fan or you're a guy who covers the NFL, it is important to talk about what this does to the NFL schedule that they lost the game entirely. And it's a very important game with huge playoff implications. It's important to talk about how all the fantasy leagues and the finals are totally fucked with all these key players going it doesn't diminish the fact that there's a horrible tragedy to a human being to talk about other things that are related. I mean, you know, you'll go on Twitter, you'll, you'll, you know, no one watches the news anymore or reads the New York Times, but you'll see somewhere on Twitter, let's say that, you know, seven people died in a bus crash in India and you'll be like, that's horrible. And these are human beings and some of them are kids or whatever. And for, for a second, you're like, wow, that's really horrible. But are you going to dwell on that your entire day? No, you're not going to dwell on that. You're going to dwell on your fantasy teams. You're going to dwell on watching football for hours and hours and hours. And that's fine. And that's normal because that's what you're interested in. doesn't mean it's more important than people dying. It doesn't mean it's more important than DeMar Hamlin having a heart attack that the game screws fantasy players. That doesn't mean it's more important. It just means that that's the thing that you've worked on all year to try to have a good team. You're not saying, oh, they should have played the game. You're not saying, oh, you know, his 
my personal money and glory for winning my fantasy league is more important than that. You're just saying, this is a horrible thing that happened and I acknowledge it and I understand why the situation is, but don't try to embargo somebody from talking about, you know, the fantasy issues with this or the NFL scheduling issues. Those are all valid and non-trivial concerns. It doesn't matter if they're less important than somebody dying. They're still important. You know, it's like saying if I break my leg and say, oh yeah, I'm just feeling kind of bad because I broke my leg and I can't go skiing this winter or something. And you say, that's nothing. My friend lost his leg in a car accident. He could never go skiing again. Well, yeah, that's worse, but it doesn't mean I can't feel bad that I broke my leg or be disappointed that I broke my leg and, and can't go skiing. You know, I'm sorry you lost your life savings to FTX, but I don't want to hear any bitching about it because they're starving children in, in some part of the world. That kind of reasoning is just stupid. And the idea that you do, oh, don't talk about this because this terrible thing happened. A terrible thing did happen. We're not implying by talking about something else that it's objectively more important. What we're saying is this other thing is also important to me. And be honest, right? Like uh, DeMar Hamlin's family and his teammates and his good friends are probably shattered by this and understandably, but it's not about you. Just because you saw it on TV, just because you were shocked by it on TV doesn't mean you're going to think about this every day for the rest of your life. You will not. You will not think about this every day for the rest of your life. You will move on because you don't know him personally. And that's normal. You will move on from the bus crash in India that killed seven people because you're not one of the family members of the seven people that died. If we were all, every time somebody died tragically, obligated to act as though we are their brother, sister, father of the person who died, then nobody would be able to get on with their lives at all because there's people dying all the time. It doesn't mean it's less tragic for the person. It doesn't mean it's less tragic for the family. It is. But this whole policing of how you're supposed to feel and the idea of, oh, he talked about the NFL schedule. What would happen? What a horrible person after this happened. Oh, he said, I'm just praying for DeMar Hamlin. I don't really care about the, my fantasy team. I don't care who won the 250000 that I worked for 10 years every year to build a team. And I finally had a good one that had a chance. And you know what? I just care about it. He said all the right things. He said all the wrong things. Here's a good person. Here's a bad person. Aren't you tired of that fucking game? DeMar Hamlin and his family aren't hearing you say it. You know, they're dealing with their own tragedy. What random people say or what random people are worried about in the moment has nothing to do with them. They're dealing with something huge and it has nothing to do with you. It is not about you. It is not about how virtuous you are for thinking and saying the right things. It is not about how much better you are than the guy who doesn't know the right things to think and say publicly. So he gets pilloried, you know, like stupid Skip Bayless, who basically a professional, he's like a professional troll, professional douchebag, you know, says something about, I don't remember the scheduling or whether they should have played. And everyone's like, oh, you're the worst person ever. Well, <laughs> I think everyone wants to troll him, which is fine because he is a troll. But come on, be realistic. That shit doesn't matter that he said that. And there's nothing wrong with caring about what the NFL is going to do or how it impacts fantasy. It has nothing to do with the actual tragedy itself. It's not about you. It's not about what special words you said or how, you know, how somber you were about it as you talked about it. Nobody, you don't fucking matter in this situation. You don't matter. It's not about you. You're not a good person because you said the right thing. Anyway, whatever. I, I think I've covered that enough. And I talked about it a lot in my other uh, podcast. And one other thing, I, I got into some debates over the years. Really, you know, when I say I got into some debates, this is me posting things that I believe on my particular feed and other people coming in and saying, you're a conspiracy theorist. You've lost the plot. It's not really me wanting to debate some random guy. It's somebody else 
deciding they're going to come after me and make me look like an idiot publicly. That's basically what it is. I don't go and debate random people. So I've had many people come in and be like, you're, you've lost the thread, whatever. For me saying, this is about control. It's actually not about public health. And so every time we get into this kind of thing, and this has happened a few times with a few different people, I say, okay, if it's really about health, let's make a bet that in six months or one year or three months, whatever specified time you want to say, that these, these restrictions, these vaccine passes will still be in place even after you know nobody cares about it health-wise. And these guys never make the bet. Now, what bets are, in my opinion, is a tax on bullshit, right? If, if I bullshit, I can say anything I want. But I actually to put some money behind it. Well, that's a tax. So now I can bullshit and make up something that's not true. But if we make a bet on it, now I'm going to lose the bet probably and, and have to pay money. So it becomes expensive to bullshit if you make a bet on it. So bets are a tax on bullshit. So these guys say, oh, no, you're just paranoid. Look, they're overturning all these restrictions already. It was always about public health. It's not, oh, there's no conspiracy to control you. I said, all right, let's make a bet. And the guy will always say, no, I'm not going to bet. I don't know what's going to happen. So they don't really want to pay the bullshit tax, right? They just want to bullshit. Well, it just turned out that if you're a foreigner going into the U.S., you still have to show a vaccine pass to enter. And that's been extended through April. Now, we already know the vaccine does not stop the spread. I shouldn't even call it a vaccine. We already know the mRNA shot does not stop the spread. So what is, there's no health purpose served. And it's not like there's, all, there's only COVID in the UK or in Europe and not in the US. It's equally distributed all over the place. There's literally no public health purpose for making people show a COVID vaccine proof to get into the United States. And in fact, there's some good evidence now that the people who uh, have taken boosters are more likely to get COVID than people who have not. So in fact, people with the past who've taken a recent booster who are up to date are actually more likely to have and spread COVID at this point. So there's actually a negative health purpose, but let's just don't even worry about that. Let's just say there's no purpose. Let's be charitable and say there's no public health purpose. So as you can see, it is not about health. It is about control. It is about helping out the people who helped you out. You're helping out Pfizer to keep selling product in Europe because if you want to travel to the US, you need it. And you took a lot of campaign contributions from Pfizer. And that's just that simple. And you're also kind of pot committed for Pfizer because not only do you take campaign contributions, but you voted for mandates. You, you enacted measures in your state that if it turns out that that medicine is poison, then uh, you're already cooked anyway. So you may as well go all in and keep pushing this thing. You know, people say, well, they've, they've overturned the military mandate and they've overturned. Yeah, they were sued on all this stuff. Ask yourself this. Why would foreign nationals still have to show the Vax Pass when most of the mandates inside the United States are overturned? Because foreign nationals have no standing to sue. The, government, the U.S. government can, can require whatever it wants for them to come in. They can't go sue and say this is unfair. But of course, when people did sue, it was found out the mandates didn't make any sense because there was no public health purpose because they don't stop the fucking spread. And so you guys who didn't make the bet cowardly after asserting some bullshit, but you made a wise choice because you would owe me money right now. There are still restrictions in place despite there being no credible public health end. I, I doubt anyone's going to come back and say, yeah, you were right. You're right. It's about control. They just forget that this conversation never happened. Basically nobody's willing to say, Hey, I was wrong. I have to rethink things. No one wants to rethink things. And I think it's part of just the belief system being just too compromised at this point. And if you admit one thing, the whole thing may fall apart. 
And that kind of cognitive dissonance is very painful. It's very painful to realize that the things in which you invested yourself and your beliefs and assuaged your doubts with, and I've talked about this, the fixation of belief, um, are false because then you have to confront a flood of doubt that was held off by this sort of, oh no, the, the pharmaceutical companies and the government are on my side. They're doing their best. They're imperfect. All these beliefs you have to hold off the sheer terror that you're on your own and you better get yourself in shape and you better take care of your health because no one's looking out for you, that there's no father figure or mother figure looking out for you anymore. Now that you're a grown up, you're actually a grown up. You're not a kid and you have to take control of your own life to the extent that you can. Um, that's very scary. And the extent that there isn't that helping you is something people don't, I don't think want to face. I mean, I think that's part of it. It's probably not the, the entire story. And and I was also thinking about a couple other things. You know, I was like, how, like, how is this still going on? Like, how are people in the face of these deaths uh, defending pharmaceutical companies? Like, these are, I, I've mentioned this before. I watched The Fugitive with my, with my daughter, which was totally inappropriate, by the way, but I didn't realize it until it's kind of too late. It's a good movie, you know, Harrison Ford. The villain was big pharma. They had, they were falsified some data and Harrison Ford was onto it and they meant to kill him, but they, his wife was home instead. And so they killed his wife. And then that was sort of the start. They fr tried to frame him for it. You know, they were the villain in 1993. I mean, the fact that people are defending them. I said, how can this be the case? How can ordinary people be like, no, don't, don't talk about big pharma. But you think like, how is Daniel Snyder like still owning the football team? And how is Donald Sterling? How did he own the Clippers for so long? And even though they're like such nasty nasty people apparently i don't know them but you know, assuming the reporting is right and maybe it's wrong but i'm just going to take it at face value just for the sake of this example it's not really important whether it actually is and and you think well because they're billionaires and they employ a lot of people and they have a lot of power and you know there's just a lot of people who a are afraid to cross them and b you know their livelihoods depend on them directly or indirectly and so you know, the, the guy who covers the football team, if he doesn't get access to the locker room, he doesn't really have a job. And you, you see that, you know, they don't really easily cover billionaires harshly. And then I think about, imagine Bill Gates, right? That's 100X. But I don't know if it scales linearly. It might be logarithmically. So 100 billion might give you so much more cover than a billion because just the way a billion, you're not 10 times more powerful than a 100 millionaire or Maybe that's not the best example, but having a million, you're not 10 times more powerful than someone that has 100,000 because neither of you have you know, that much power over other people. But when you get to the point where you are funding giant organizations like the WHO and you know, world influential organizations and you're funding so many media outlets and newspapers and medical journals, you're, fun you're, you're funding so many different things. And not only do they you know, say things that are favorable to you and give you favorable coverage, but everybody in the industry is tied to you. And if you run afoul, if they say something bad about you, then you, know, you just cut them off from a huge amount of opportunities. And then a lot of peers will turn on them because they want to prove their loyalty. So if you have a hundred billion, you know, it, you, you could see how much people will tolerate the meddling of this fucking guy, you know, trying to genetically engineer these mosquitoes and, <laughs> and just doing things in complex systems that he has no fucking idea how they'll turn out just totally bullshitting on how, you know, you won't catch the virus if you, if you take one of these. Obviously, uh, cavorting with, with uh, Jeffrey Epstein. The point is, like, this guy is a scourge, and so many people know it, but why is he tolerated? Well, because he's powerful. He's so powerful and rich. 
And then you think of how many people Pfizer purchased. You know, it's not just one guy like Bill Gates. It's it's all of the politicians and league officials in the NFL, the media, and celebrities who endorse this stuff. I mean, there's just so many people complicit at this point that now you start to understand, okay, this is why these zombies are just saying this stuff. They're terrified of what their peers will think. And then you combine that, I think, with, and I saw a guy say it was millennials. I don't want to get too generational because I know a lot of millennials are very based, but you know, it might just be a lot of them in this era got raised in a certain way that you know what your peers think is the truth. There's not really a difference. There's not like an objective truth apart from what everybody believes. And I know that sounds kind of crazy. Like if everyone believes two plus two is five um, and you're the only one who believes two plus two is four, clearly two plus two is always going to be four. It doesn't matter that nobody else believes it. Um, and so I, I think most people, I would think, would agree to that statement that even if everybody believed two plus two were five, it would not actually make it be five. But I think in practice, they actually believe that it's five. And, it, and it's because math is so obviously defined of what's true and false. But if you have it that everybody thinks that following the science is just taking this medicine and that you know abstaining from taking this medicine is anti-scientific, it's like incredibly ignorant then it is. Then that's just what it is for them. And you see a lot of people really struggling to, to kind of wrap their heads around it. It doesn't really matter that it didn't stop the spread. It's still the science. If, as long as the people that they trust, the people they outsource their critical thinking to, the experts and, and authorities that they outsource their critical thinking to believe something, that's what's true. And I think they were raised that way. They, they weren't trained to handle things for themselves or think for themselves. I think, you know, if you are told that if you have a problem with another kid in school, you have to go to the teacher, don't handle it yourself ever. Um, you're always looking to an authority, someone else to settle things for you. And that I think can get endemic into, you know, sort of a cultural thing. And I see a lot of these people who, LOL, you think that, but there's never an objection like, well, what's so LOL about it? Explain what's, what's false. And it's just mostly like an appeal to <laughs> Alex Jones thinks that, or, Tucker Carlson talks about that. Like, it's just sort of a, that's who you're associated with. Here's who I'm associated with. But that's not getting to the merits of the case, right? That's just, this is what smart people think. This is what dumb people think. Every smart person thinks two plus two is five. So who, who cares what Alex, jo Alex Jones said it was two plus two is four, LOL. You know, and, and so that's how they're making their true and false decisions, what's true and what's false. There, there's who's associated with this position, who's associated with that position. But there, there's like, and I even got into it where people were like, I post something and they say something like, oh yeah, like you're unbiased too with all that anti-vax stuff. I'm like, first of all, as I said, there's no anti-vax pro-vax. There's pro-medicines whose long-term benefits outweigh the long-term harms and that are given via informed consent and anti-everything else. So Lose the talking point. So what are you trying to say? And trying to say, well, you have biases just like I do. You, you know, I, I may be biased for this, but you're biased for that. And that's the end of the discussion for them. Like everybody has their allegiance to a tribe. I may be saying what my tribe wants, but you're just saying what your tribe wants. And it just doesn't occur to them since they're so immersed in tribal thinking that A, I don't belong to either tribe. I really, really do not. But it doesn't really matter whether you believe me. It's not important. But there's actually a mode of inquiry of critical thought that actually examines the facts themselves, that there's actually facts that can be examined via critical thought and logic. 
that really isn't just whose side are you on anyway? Who does this help? Who does this hurt? And I think you start to see why they don't want speculation on whether the MRNA shot caused these heart attacks in these players, coaches, retired players that have happened. You know, there's been like six of them in the NFL in the last month. And they don't want speculation on that because it's who does it hurt? Who does it help? My tribe likes this. This would help the other tribe. They, they, and, and they can't even conceive of you being concerned about the actual harm that these things are causing and using critical thought and saying, regardless of who it helps or, or hurts, what's actually happening here? They don't believe that's possible. They outsource critical thought disastrously, disastrously to authorities and experts. And if you didn't, they can't, they just don't believe in it anymore. They don't believe that you're actually engaging in inquiry, that you're like, well, what really happened here? They just think, oh, you're just pushing your, you're just, you're just talking your book, what you're invested in emotionally. We're talking ours. We're t- ha, LOL, you're pointing out that other people are doing this when you're doing that. No, not everybody is doing that. You're revealing that you just don't think it's even possible anymore to look at facts, that facts exist. And that's kind of troubling. They're so deep into it that if you say something counter to their narrative, they can't even conceive of the possibility that you're doing that because you're interested in what's true. They don't think anyone's interested in what's true in the two plus two equals four sense. They just think people are interested in what the consensus of their tribe is because that's all they know. And that's what I mean when I say they would say they care about two plus two equals four because that's such an obviously clearly true example. But in practice, they don't believe that even exists. They're just going with whatever it is that their in-group believes and assume that if you differ from that, you're just in a different group. And that's that. And that's why it's so quick. to Oh, you're a right winger then. You're Alex Jones. They, they just want to associate with someone else who doesn't agree with their narrative because that's the only way they can explain the, the dissent that you, that you have. They, they can't imagine someone dissenting because they don't believe the narrative is actually true. All right. I saw a post also by a guy, I can't remember his name. He has a decent sized following, 400,000 followers, whatever. And he said that, an, and, and maybe he's a doctor, I don't know. But he said that a uh, retired NFL player reached out to him and he said that confidentially that he and many, many other players and former players are terrified of you know, more people dropping dead or suffering severe cardiac uh, adverse events on the field and that he doesn't want to speak out because he doesn't want to get pilloried, but basically, can you be my voice if if I do die and speak out for me? And I read that and I was like, oh, wow, like that's pretty disturbing. But then I thought like, how do I know this is real, right? Like this former NFL player said this, whatever. And I don't know the guy, so maybe he's super credible or or maybe not. But I started thinking, you know, I, I just think these this former NFL player needs to come out and just identify himself and say, we're worried about this. And the players who are worried if this is actually true need to come out and say, we're worried about this. You know, we, we, we saw what happened to DeMar Hamlin, how tragic that was. And we don't want to be the next one. We were forced to take this shot. What can we do? If you come out anonymously, there's no way for anyone to know whether that's actually true, whether that's just something the guy made up or not. If you come out and put your name and say it and you know, the, the 20 players or whoever he was talking to that were actually the people who were fearful all came out and said it, things would move very rapidly. I think we're close. I think once a couple of people speak out, the floodgates break quickly because then it gives other people courage to speak out. They're not the only one. 
But I think we got to stop being like, well, and, and again, I said this last podcast, it's easy for me to say because I don't have an employer that can fire me. So, you know, it's less risky and it's, you know, I, I can judge other people, but, you know, I don't know how I would fare in their shoes. But I just think as a matter of not common good, like the Bill Gates greater good or the Sam Bankman Fried greater good, but I mean the truly for, for what's just good and true. I think people need to have some courage and speak out, you know, and, and you might lose a job or they might threaten to take your job, but you have to be tough and you have to say, okay, you, I lost my job because of this. Let's see what happens when it comes out. And you who took my job for this, I think you need to make them scared too. So I think the floodgates can break very quickly. And I think I could be wrong that we're close and the time for courage is now. I'll end on something just kind of, uh, I know something just kind of uh, interesting and fun for me is I got a, uh, I finally uh, broke down and got a Portuguese phone. I've been using my US phone. Heather's the only one with the Portuguese phone. It necessitated some workarounds. Like I had to like use Skype and buy like, a, you know, for three bucks a month, like a hundred minutes of Portuguese use, you know, on my Skype. So I could use my regular phone on Skype and make appointments or do whatever I need to do once in a while. But I finally got the Portuguese phone because it was too much of a pain in the ass every time I had to like log into a bank account or book a medical appointment. They'd always send like a two-factor authentication to Heather's phone. Then I'd track down Heather. She'd be out. Be like, I need this. It's going to expire. So we finally got me a phone. And that's not the, the point of this. The point is I get this phone and I realize none of my info is on it because Heather put the phone in her name. And so she just added a second phone to her name. So it's in Heather's name and we're not officially married and we were basically married, but we're not legally married. And so my name and her name are not connected. So I've got this phone that's not registered in my name and I deleted you know, a lot of the apps and I didn't register for any apps and I'm going to download some, uh, it's an Android phone. I'm going to download some couple apps from the, the Google Play Store. They make you register, but I'm going to use Heather's login to do it. So, cause she's already, you know, associated with the phone, not me. And I've turned off all the trackers and everything. Uh, okay. So, so this phone like, isn't, I don't really think it's tracking me because it has no information about me at all. I've just got a browser on it and I've got the text messages where I, I message Heather and I'll maybe download signal and start using that too. But you know, my, my US phone has everything about me. So, you know, I'm walking around and it knows like where I'm shopping, where I'm going, you know, who I'm, you know, what addresses I'm stopping at, everything. And same with obviously your phones in the US. Though maybe mine's better because it's Portugal. They might not track it as much, but who knows. But anyway, uh, I was always kind of torn when I'd like go out for a run or go somewhere, you know, the park or something. I'd be like, I really don't want to bring this tracking device with me. I just sick of carrying my own sort of monitoring device like around voluntarily, but you know, I want the camera. I want to be able to text. I want to be able to call. There's some kind of emergency. I want to be reachable. There's no pay phones anymore. You know, when we used to, you know, it's like you think, oh, well, we used to not have cell phones, but we used to have pay phones. And before pay phones, before even the telephone, there are other ways people would figure out if you had gone missing or if somebody needed to get in touch with you or had different expectations about how long it took to get in touch. And so, you know, we're sort of in this era now where you're expected to have a working cell phone and there's really not that much uh, infrastructure around you to help you communicate or, or deal with any sort of emergency situation that might arise. That the world has now, the ecosystem has now evolved such that, you know, you're expected to have this device on you and yet you're carrying your own sort of personal uh, ankle anklet, you know, uh, prison anklet around, in-house arrest anklet with you. So I feel really good. I only, when I leave, 
take this Portuguese phone. I always leave my phone at home. So the trackers think I'm extremely lazy, uh, which is totally fine with me. And I feel like I'm walking around untracked. Now, maybe I'm missing something and they're still tracking me uh, somehow, but uh, it feels good. I feel like, you know, I still can take a picture if I want. I still can uh, send a text. I could still log into an email, but I haven't yet on the browser, but I've got, you know, Firefox and I'm going to down, download Brave, some more of a privacy browser. So um, I'm less tracked. I deleted a bunch of the default Google apps on there and stuff too, and turned off all the access. So just feels good. Get a second phone. It's not quite a burner phone. It is still in Heather's name, but I, I didn't really try that hard to do it. And maybe I, again, I'm missing something, but, but maybe I've, uh, I've escaped the, uh, the matrix just a little bit. All right. That's going to do it for this episode. Till next time.